0: can someone please just give me a mic check please a sound test before we carry on someone can give me a quick mic check please So welcome to what is going to be our second uh, special uh, or the second part of the special that we were doing uh, we began with last week which is the special that we began on the science of al-waqf and ibtida', 'ilm al-waqf wal-ibtida', which is the science of of pausing or stopping in the Quran and then starting in terms of recitation of the Quran. And last week we kind of went through the, uh, if you like, the introduction to the science in terms of uh, where it kind of comes from, how how far back we can find it in our tradition, the statements that you find sometimes from the companions, sometimes from their students, uh, as well as the uh, scholars that subsequently followed them, not only concerning the fact that this is something that they paid a great deal of attention to, but also in terms of them actually showing its importance right, and how that practically works. And uh, we spent all of last session, last week's uh, lesson, kind of going into into some some detail. So I think that that was uh, worthwhile, the time and the effort, because it's an important uh, part of the sciences of the Qur'an and the reading of the Qur'an and from the aspects of the Qur'an that today you don't find very often, or it's one that has become slightly unfortunately neglected uh, in terms of its uh, study and in terms of its approach. And as we mentioned last week, in fact, it's probably something that you would find more akin to uh, today being found in the books of Tajweed. So even if you're not studying Ilm al-Waqf necessarily as a standalone science, which which will probably be something for more advanced students, Where one place where you will still find it is if you read or study Tajweed, as well as just the books of the sciences of the Quran in general. So if you're doing Tajweed, for example, you're studying the Jazariyyah, for example, that that, that uh, poem of Imam Ibn al taala in Tajweed, then one of the things that he will mention is, is this. He says, So he says that after you finish the Tajweed and the, and the rulings of Tajweed, then you must also know about Al-Waqf al-Ibtida because you can't actually be a proficient, prolific reciter of the Quran until you understand when and where and how to stop, otherwise the recitation of the Qur'an will always be deficient in some way or form because of the mistakes that you are likely to make in terms of where you choose and, and how you choose to stop and pause in the Qur'an and how you choose and start to restart in your recitation of the Qur'an. So last week um, that's kind of what we went through and where we stopped was we spoke about the two kind of ways that Waqf and Ibtida is used or the two kind of general broad categories. Uh, in terms of how we can benefit from it, and the first was, as we said, the issue of just being careful as to not changing the meaning of the Quran. So sometimes, depending on how you stop and where you stop and how you restart and where you restart, you can actually corrupt the meaning of the verse of the Quran. You can change its meaning, and that is, a, and that is something which is, you know, which can at times be dangerous, which can at times lead to something which is uh, which should which should and and must be avoided. To the best of one's ability, uh, of course. So that's one category in terms of its benefit, its application. The second is in terms of enhancing its meaning, right? And that's the example that we gave of the verse of Surah Tur,um. And we mentioned, as Al-Qurtubi, Rahimahullah, others mentioned that it is said that some of the companions such as Abu Bakr anhu would stop in this verse. فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنَ الَّذِينَ أَجْرَمُوا وَكَانَ حَقَّا They would pause there and then they would say عَلَيْنَا نَصْرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And both are correct in terms of how to stop on that verse. And each one of them gives you a slightly different uh, meaning of the verse. It enhances your tafsir and understanding of the verse. And both are correct meanings. And so there is an application of Waqf that actually enhances the recitation of the Qur'an, the understanding of the Qur'an, the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And similar to it also uh, was the example that we gave in the verse that we mentioned at the beginning of, or towards the beginning of Surah Ali Imran uh, when Allah Azza says <laughs> That verse that we spoke about and then the stop concerning as to so those are two examples that we gave and there are many others that you will find in the books of Waqf and Ibtida but obviously because of time restrictions and so on and as we mentioned last week the idea behind these specials is to kind of just give us a broad understanding and kind of introduce the topic to us without necessarily going into the minutiae because that in itself would require a great deal of time and that's not something which we are necessarily focusing on here um, But inshaAllah ta'ala, as we study this to the level that we study it, inshaAllah it opens up your horizons and introduces you to these different sciences, especially concerning the Qur'an. So this week what we're going to go into is actually go into the breakdown of the different categories of the stops of the Qur'an and and how the scholars categorize this. And the main categorization you will find, as we mentioned before, last week as well, because it is an issue of ijtihad. So this wasn't something which necessarily came in a hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu The companions by virtue of their knowledge of the Quran and the tafsir of the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala because of the way that they would study and memorize and learn the Quran had this knowledge within them just as they learned the Tajweed of the Quran because they learned it from the mouth of the Prophet Sallallahu or they learned it at the hands of the senior companions who learned it from the mouth of the Prophet Sallallahu So you have the likes of, for example, uh, Ubay ibn Ka'b and, and Zayd ibn Thabit, and, and others from amongst the companions Ali and the Khulafa Rashidin and Ibn Mas'ud, and others, these are prolific reciters of the Quran, of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of the companions learn from them the recitation of the Quran, and some of them study, uh, and then they go and they travel, as we know, across the Muslim world, they settle in different parts of the Muslim world, and they teach a whole new group of students who become the Tabi'een, their students, and from generation to generation, it passes on. One of the things that we showed last week from some of the narrations is that it seems that as they would learn the recitation of the Quran in terms of the Tajweed rulings, they would also learn alongside it Al-Waqf ibtida They would also learn alongside it Al-Waqf ibtida And that shows you that it's something which actually should be done, right? And I gave you a story last uh, last week of how my teacher, Rahim Ta'ala, Shaykh Sayyid Lashin, Abu al my teacher, who was an Egyptian teacher living in Medina, when I was getting the ijaz of the Qur'an, he would actually have hand signals, as mentioned in some of these narrations that we discussed last week. Hand signals to show when and where and how you stop. And so that's also something which is important. And in fact, you will see this amongst many of the older Qur'a. Even today, many of the scholars of the Quran, the, the older scholars that give you uh, that, you will see, and I've seen it from a number of them, that when they, when you sit with them, and you're reading, they generally do this. They generally have these hand signals to show you where it's okay to stop and where it's not okay to stop and so on. Uh, And obviously now it's something which you also find in the Quran, in the Mus'haf, because of what the scholars have actually put in there in terms of those small little symbols that show you when and where and how to stop. So uh, this week, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to look at that categorization. Because this is an issue of Ijtihad, therefore, there will be differences of opinion, number one. Number two, because there will be differences of opinion concerning this, you may go to another scholar who may give you, or you may come across later on in some further study, a different categorization. Or you may find, for example, that one reciter or one alim, one scholar, one sheikh, when he's reciting the Quran, doesn't necessarily follow the symbols that you may have learned, or the waqf that you may think, here is a good place to make waqf, and this is a good uh, a place that you shouldn't make waqf. Because it is, at the end of the day, an issue of Ijtihad uh because as we said there is no clear sunnah concerning this or clear verse of the quran therefore it is something which comes back to the ijtihad of the scholars the scholars what they have done is try to give you principles the application of those principles can be you know differed upon as is in the case of fiqh and as is in the case of of the science of 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 hadith and and so on when it comes to the application of principles there can be differences of opinion how how that is understood and how that is applied and that's something which can sometimes be confusing because if you learn something a certain way, or you're told you must stop here, and then you hear a reciter, for example, maybe you're listening to someone in the Haram in Mecca or Medina, or one of these other famous reciters, and they're reciting and they don't stop there, or they stop where you're told you shouldn't actually stop anyway, but they make a stop there. That's something because you know it's the Ijtihad. Like it's not a, it's not necessarily an issue of, uh, of halal and haram. If there is something where, is, where there is Ijtihad, and sometimes there is an issue of Ijtihad here, but we trust especially at those uh, at that level of where those reciters are senior in terms of their knowledge and so on. That's different, by the way, I'm not speaking about someone who just is popular or someone who, for example, may have a very nice recitation because Allah has blessed them with their ability to recite the Qur'an in a beautiful voice that doesn't necessarily make them a scholar of Qur'an. Popularity, beauty of recitation and so on, that's a different thing. I'm talking about people who are actually scholars of Quran and, and people who are scholars of, of generally Islamic sciences and tafsir and so on and the way that they read and the way that they choose then to pause and stop in certain places. Anyway, so this is uh, something which you will find that there is a difference of opinion. As I said last week, you know, if you, if anything isn't clear, you want to ask questions, you can just start sending those questions in now, inshallah. As as when they come to you, and we'll try to get through as many of them as is possible. So. The issue of Waqf, like how many categories of Waqf there are and as we said the scholars always start with the issue of Waqf which is where you pause and stop because the general principle would be that you would start from a good place you would start from the beginning of a surah you would start from the beginning of a story and so the first issue that you're going to come upon is actually where you stop and pause not where you stop because you started from the beginning of Fatiha you started from the beginning of Baqarah you started from the beginning of Ali Imran or wherever it may be the issue is where do you first stop now? right and we mentioned last week that there is a type of stop where you're forced to stop because you're running out of breath and then there's a stop that you make by choice and we said that obviously at the higher level what you want to try to do is to try to pre kind of like, uh, predetermined where it is that you need to stop because you're going to run out of breath and choose an appropriate place to do so. There are a number of opinions concerning uh, the categorization of Al-Waqf and Iqtida and how many categories it falls into and under and so on and so forth. The most famous of them and probably the most common that you will come across is the one that was mentioned by Imam Ibn al-Jazari ta'ala, in his famous poem, The Jazariya. and actually it goes back to before him or while before him uh, Abu Amr al-Dani, and as we mentioned, this is a famous name, especially when you come to the issue of Qiraat and Tajweed and Waqf al-Ibtida and, and so on. This is a name that you should become very familiar with. So if you're familiar with the name of Imam al-Shatibi, who put down the uh, the poetry of the Shatibiyya Ibn al-Jazari, then you should also be familiar with this name, Abu Amr Ad dani he's the one who actually came up with this categorization, and Ibn al-Jazari agreed with him. And that is that Al-Waqf kind of comes into four categories. Kind of comes into four categories. And that's those are the ones that he mentions, Ibn, Ibn Jazir mentions in his poem. He says that after you've understood the rules of Tajweed, you must know the rules of Al-Waqf An-Ibtida. And you should know its categorization and that is three. Tam, Kafin, Hasan. And the fourth one that is added to that by those same scholars is Qabih. And basically that means that there are three types or four types of stops. Three are mentioned primarily because those are the places you can actually choose to stop. The fourth category is a mention. Why isn't it mentioned? Because you actually shouldn't be stopping there. You shouldn't be stopping there. And so therefore it's not mentioned as a place of stopping because it's a place that should be avoided. The three that you are allowed to stop in are called Tam, which means complete, Kafin, which means sufficient, and Hassan, which means good. And we'll speak in slightly more detail concerning how the scholars uh, define those terms and the differences between them. And Al-Qabih, which is the fourth category, means something which is uh, disliked or something which is ugly or something which is uh, detestable. Uh, And that's because it is something which should be avoided in terms of its of its uh, application because it's not a place where you should be stopping. So, the first category of those then that are mentioned by the likes of Abu Amr ibn and jazari and and most likely this is these are the, the categorizations that you would study today if you if you would study this science, uh, is the category of al-Waqf Tam, al-Waqf al Tam, Thalathatun Tam wa Kafin wa Hasan. al Tam means the complete stop, meaning that it is a good place to stop and it is complete. How is it complete? Its definition is basically it is somewhere where you can stop and pause and then you can carry on after it. So you can stop and pause at this place and there, and you can start after it, meaning you don't have to go back and repeat the last few words. You can start off from the next place and it doesn't have a connection in meaning. You move from one place to another right you move from one place to another and they kind of subcategorize this into two they kind of uh subcategorize this into two the first of those subcategories is that it is a place that you should stop and you shouldn't uh you shouldn't connect the two it's a place that you should stop and you shouldn't connect the two because if you were to connect them it may give the incorrect meaning or it may make someone misunderstand the meaning. So it's a waqf tam, it's a complete stop, you stop there. Do you carry on? No. Meaning, can you join? No. Right. And this is the one that you would normally find in if you look, for example, especially in the old uh, edition of the, of the Medina Mushaf. I don't think they have this anymore, but someone can correct me if they do now. But they would have the symbol mean, the small mean, which basically means it is a lazim, stop. Right, you must stop here. Lazim or wajib, stop. You must stop here. Uh, and some of the scholars call it Al-Waqf At-Tam Al-Muqayyad. Al-Waqf waqf Al-Muqayyad. It is the Tam Muqayyad. Stop. Muqayyad means that it has been defined. Meaning that it is defined by it being oblig- obligatory upon you to stop at this place. So an example of this would be, for example, uh, in the middle of a verse, the verse in Surah Yasin. Which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "فَلَا يَحْزُنْكَ قَوْلُهُم" (verse number uh, seventy-six, I believe). "فَلَا يَحْزُنْكَ قَوْلُهُمْ إِنَّا نَعْلَمُ مَا يُسْرُونَ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ." Allah Azza wa says, "فَلَا يَحْزُنْكَ قَوْلُهُمْ." Do not become upset. Do not become upset by their statement. "إِنَّا نَعْلَمُ مَا يُسْرُونَ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ." Indeed, we know that which they hide and that which they make apparent. Why is this a place where you should stop and you can't join between the two? Because they say, these scholars, and again, it's an issue in which they had, some scholars would allow you to do it and they wouldn't see a problem. They say, but it can give the impression of the meaning being changed. When Allah says, don't be distressed by what they're saying, don't be upset by it. And then he says, indeed we know, those are two different things. Their statement isn't, inna ma wa But if you were to join between the two without stopping, you may be understood to be, this, that this is their statement. فَلَا Someone may misunderstand and think that the meaning is and don't be distressed by their statement that indeed we know that which is apparent and that which is hidden. But that's not the statement that distresses the Prophet The statement that distresses the Prophet is their shirk and their kufr and their, their maqru of Islam and the Prophet and so on. That's what is distressing. Allah then says as a response to that, إِنَّا نَعْلَمُ مَا يُسِرُونَ وَمَا inna refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that's an example of وَقْفُ التام. a waqf basically you stop somewhere and you shouldn't join between the two it's a place where you should just stop and that can come as we see sometimes at the end of a verse and sometimes in the middle of the verse like in this example at the end of a verse the example that is given is in Surah Ghafir towards the beginning verses 6 and 7 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَكَذَلِكَ حقَّت Allah says, and thus the command of Allah or the word of Allah has, uh, of your Lord has been enacted upon them. And that is that those who disbelieve are from the people of the fire. Those who disbelieve are from the people of the fire. Then Allah says, moving on to speaking about the angels and those who carry the throne of Allah and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the angels. They say it, but if you were, and see what the issue is here. What is the issue? The issue can often come because if you don't stop in the place where it is okay to stop and you carry on, sooner or later your breath is going to run out. So you'll have to choose to stop in a different place, which actually isn't so good and may have a problem with the meaning. So, for example, if you were to say, and then you stop that Allah Azzawajal says that our command has come upon these people that those who disbelieve will be from the people of the fire and they are those who carry the throne of Allah. Because if you join and then you stop at Arsh, Ashabun Al-Arsh. It is the people of the fire who carry the throne of Allah. And clearly that's not the meaning. Because the people of the fire do not carry the throne of Allah Azzawajal. it is the angels of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la who do so. And that's why, you know, as I said before, I think last week, it is, I think, in my uh, honest opinion, uh, just best and safest to follow what the scholars have already given you to you in terms of symbols and the help that they've given to you and to the best of your ability. Because sometimes, you know, that stop position may be quite long and so it's difficult to do that. But to the best of your ability and the general rule should be to follow that too, uh, to as much as you can because it just saves you. Right from all of this issue. And one of the things that we understand, you know, as we've mentioned before this, this issue, it was a research question as well, in terms of the general principle that many of the scholars of Islam have, that at the end of a verse is a complete stop. You can pause and break there, even if the meaning is connected, even though there is a difference of opinion, as we said, concerning this. But we have the narration of Umm Salama عنها, and that is that when you come to the end of a verse, you can stop, it is a place to pause and that pause is a correct pause, wherever and whichever context that verse may come in. Not pause in the sense that you would move away or you would leave the Quran and carry on because that meaning does need to be connected, but it's okay for you to pause there and then to connect that meaning with that pause, right? So for example, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And you wouldn't just leave, but you would because the, clearly the meaning has a connection between the two. So that's something which, you know, as a general catch-all is a good way of doing this because otherwise it does require. And it's not just by virtue of knowing Arabic. This is an issue of tafsir, of understanding, of contemplation, because sometimes even the Arabs make these mistakes. And I've heard plenty of people who know Arabic and who are Arabs and and it's their mother tongue and their main language and so on. But when they read the Quran, they're stopping and starting all over the place. They're all over the shop when it comes to this issue as well. And that's because it requires study. If it was so easy that you could just know it by Arabic, then the scholars wouldn't have had to write all of this stuff because they were all Arabs anyway. Why spend so much time? It's like Tajweed, just because you're an Arab and you speak Arabic doesn't mean you're not Tajweed. You may be able to pronounce the letters of the Arabic language and your pronunciation may be correct because you, that's how you've been taught. And even that's, by the way, not always the case, especially if you listen to certain dialects like the Moroccan dialect or the Egyptian dialect and so on. Even that has changed. Even the, uh, the Khaliji dialect, the Gulf dialect in certain letters, they have changes and so on. And people sometimes read the Qur'an in their local dialect, making those changes. That's very common. I've heard that before. And so that's something which, you know, it's not just by virtue of knowing Arabic. It requires a degree of study and it requires a degree of, of effort. And that's the same with al-waqf an ibtida So this is the first subcategory. So we have al-waqfut tam. The first subcategory is it's a place you should stop, and then you carry on afterwards. You don't connect between the two. The second subcategory of al-waqfut tam is that it is a place that you stop, and it's you start after it. But if you were to connect between the two, it's fine. So what's the difference between subcategory one and two? In the first one, they say you shouldn't connect. You shouldn't connect. The second one, you shouldn't connect also, but if you do, it's fine. Whereas the first one, if you do, you may likely change the meaning or do something which then falls into being incorrect. And that's usually in this second subcategory, it's because usually um, either the topic has changed now into something else anyway, or it's something which, uh, you know, if you were to connect, it's okay. Uh, it's not going to really, uh, mess with the meaning because the topic changes, not connected anymore and it's very clear from the meaning of the verse that that is so. So an example of this would be just as a general example where the topic changes. If you look for example in Surah Luqman, before the, the verse before the story of Luqman starts. So the story of Luqman starts in verse number 12. So the end of verse number 11 is But indeed the oppressors are in Manifest misguidance, clear misguidance. And then Allah begins the story of Luqman. وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا لُقْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةَ Right, Indeed, we gave to Luqman wisdom, that he should thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if someone was to connect between the two, and there's no need to, right? That's why they're saying, so Waqf Tam, that Allah has changed subject, has changed topic, doesn't require you to connect. There's no real reason for you to connect between the two. But if you were to, for whatever reason, then it's okay. Because it's not going to be something which will drastically be misunderstood because clearly the topic has changed. So if you were to say, and then obviously you stop at a correct place to stop, then it's okay. But the waqf tam is, you don't need to do that, right? So the waqf tam is, these are places that you should be stopping. And to stop here makes more sense because it allows, especially for you as the reciter, but especially the one who's listening to your recitation as well, to understand the Qur'an in its correct way without getting confused or without having to uh, kind of jumble up between topics. An example of this in the middle of a verse is in the verse in which Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, wa layl. Right, Allah Azza wa says, and these are people that you pass by them during the morning and in the evening. And it's allowed to stop here, it's a good place to stop. But if you were to join them, it doesn't change the meaning. It's not going to drastically change the meaning. Or you just say, and then you pause there. Right? And you will find many reciters doing that as well. This stop is the one that is often uh, mentioned in the Quran, the symbol of Qili. Which is the qaf, lamb, and ya, qili. And qili means it is allowed to pause, wal waqfu awla. It is allowed to continue, wal waqfu awla. Al ja'izun wal waqfu awla. It's allowed for you to pause here, it's allowed for you to continue here, but to pause is better for you. Right? qili. The qaf, the lamb, and that small little ya, that's what you will see in the Medina Mus'haf. Right? So this is a waqf tam. So generally in the Quran, what's the conclusion then? is where you have a full stop, the end of a verse stop, or you have the meme symbol, or you have the Qili symbol, they are waqf tam. These are places that you should be stopping. And when you stop there, you don't need to go back. You, You don't need to go back, but you can continue onwards in terms of your recitation. And sometimes it's best for you not to go back and not to connect between them because it is just easier in terms of keeping the meaning in its correct place. That's the first category. So that's Al-Waqf Al-Tam. The second category of Al-Waqf is Al-Waqf Al-Kafi. The sufficient Waqf. Right? What does that mean? Abu Amr Ad-Dani, ta'ala, he defined it by saying that it is the one that you are allowed to stop on and start after it, even though it is connected in meaning. Even though it is connected in meaning. So this is the place that you can stop and it's allowed for you to carry on without having to go back because even though it is connected in meaning, meaning even though that we're speaking about the same topic, right? Even though we're speaking about the same topic. And this is the one that you will find in Jim, right? The symbol Jim. Jim means it's allowed. Jim means it's allowed. You stop or you don't stop, it's fine. The choice is yours. That's a Waqful Kafi. If you were to stop, the meaning would be okay. If you were to carry on, the meaning would be okay. At the end of a verse, for example, and, and I'm giving you these examples of the end of a verse, even though I think that the position of you pausing at the end of a verse is a stronger position, even though it's allowed for you to continue. There's no problem in doing so. But if you were to stop, that's the better preferred position. But I'm giving you these examples because these are the ones that the scholars give examples for both. They give examples for the end of a verse and for the middle of a verse as well. And so that's why you're getting both. The example would be in Surah Al-Hujurat, in verses number four and five. They speak about a single topic. Right, and that's when those people are calling. Him. When the Prophet ﷺ is in his house, and he's being called by people outside with a loud voice, they're calling him, right, and and calling his name in a loud way. And Allah Azza wa is telling them not to do so, but to be patient and to wait for him. ﷺ to come out to them. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, wara a'ktharuhum Indeed, those who call out to you from outside of your rooms meaning your, your residences, your homes, most of them do not know. They don't understand. Then Allah says in the next verse, subhanahu wa ta'ala, "Wala'u annahum sabaru hatta But if they were to be patient until you came out to them, that would be better for them. It is speaking about the same topic. So one incident. To stop there and pause is fine because actually the meaning is still correct. But if you were to carry on, it is also fine because the meaning is still correct, right? It is still connected and so correct. That's fine as well. But obviously, as I said, to stop and pause where you can pause is always better in recitation because otherwise, you do, unless you have a very naturally deep, long breath. It is something which you may find yourself struggling with. An example of this, uh, and these are just random examples, by the way. They're not like taken from any any particular part of the Quran, from Mujiz juz Amma or anything. These are just some of the ones that I've come across, and so I'm mentioning them here. Is in Surah Al Isra, in the middle of a verse in Surah Al Isra, verse 25. Allah Azza says, "Your Lord knows best what is within you, right? What is within yourselves." Then Allah says, and it's the same verse, if you are righteous, then indeed Allah Azza wa is of forgiving and to those who return and repent to him. Right? And so if you were to stop in the middle, Rabbuk fi nufusikum," that's a good stop. And then Allah says, because Allah knows what's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who knows that if you are righteous, he can forgive you if you repent, right? But if you were to join the two, it's also correct. Because both of them are still speaking about the same issue. رَبُّكُمْ right? And this is called Al-Waqf Al-Kafi. It is a Waqf that is sufficient. To carry on is fine. To stop is fine. Right? The difference between this then And the first category, the Waqf tam is there to stop is actually better or sometimes they will say it is wajib, you must stop there. Here though, both issues are, you know, it's it's 50-50, it's it's okay. Choose to stop, not to stop, it is up to you. And that's how you will find sometimes reciters when it comes to, for example, just the normal prayers of Fajr and Maghrib and Isha, when they're reciting slowly and they don't have to read so fast and they're not going to have such a long prayer, they will usually recite in a slower way and they will stop in these places. Whereas for example, if they're reading, reading in tarawih now and they have a whole juz of the Quran to get through and there's loads of people behind them and people are tired and people have worked the next day and people have school and so on, then they're going to recite faster. And so they're actually going to, uh, going to do this in a faster way. That's the difference between the two. That is the difference between the two. The third category, that is mentioned then of Al-Waqf is al waqf al hasan al waqf al hasan right? And Al-Hasan generally in the Arabic language means okay or good, right? That's what it means. And this is the least of the level. So we're going down in level in terms of Tam is something you must do, right? Hasan is something, uh, t- uh, Kafi is something which is okay to do. Hasan is still okay, but it's better for you not to do it, right? That's how it's going down. And al waqf al hasan Right, and this is the third of those three categories that, meant, that were mentioned by uh, Ibn al-Jazri ta'ala in his verse of, of, of poetry, Thalathatun tamun wa kafin wa وحسن. Uh, Abu Amr al-Dani defined it and he said, it's the one that it's allowed for you to stop at, but you shouldn't start from after it, but rather you should go back and restart from there. It's the one that you should, that it's okay for you to stop at, meaning the pause is correct, but the restarting after it is not correct because the meaning now becomes disconnected. So now what you need to do is go back and start from an appropriate place to make sure that that meaning remains intact, right? Remains intact. That's basically the example that they're giving. And this particular one is the one where if it's not, you know, the the caveat to this is that if it's not the end of a verse, if it's the end of a verse, even though, as the example that we gave for that verse, لَعَلَكُمْ تَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ, even though the meaning is connected, right? The meaning is connected. That pause is an exception because that's something which is established in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu and clearly the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu is the one that kind of decides all issues, right? All affairs in our religion. If we have a hadith, then so be it, right? And therefore, it's understood that that's the end of the verse, لَعَلَكُمْ تَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ But the meaning of this, or or, uh, the example of this that you will find more, is in the middle of verses. Where you have to pause now, especially if you're running out of breath, and it's okay to pause there. The meaning is correct. The problem now is that when I want to restart, and this is the difficulty because even the symbols of the Qur'an don't really tell you if you pause somewhere, especially if it's not in one of those symbols, you just have to pause because your breath is running out, where to restart from? Now generally what most of our teachers used to say, and and I mean not from the ulama, but from when we were young kids and we didn't really understand Arabic and they probably didn't know Arabic either and they would tell us how to do this in a practical way, they would just say go back two or three words to be on the safe side and carry on. Which is okay, you know, it's okay but it's not a catch-all, it's not a principle. Because actually sometimes those two or three words, it's not the correct place to start with. Depending on where you've Happen to stop right, and obviously it's very dependent on where you just happen to stop. It's actually not necessarily the same. So, for example, to give an example of this to make this uh, more relatable, understandable, in Surah Al-Hadid, verse number twelve, right? And for those of you that are following along, you know if you have Mushaf with you, or you on on your apps or whatever, you can follow along with this just so that you can understand what I'm saying. Uh, in Surah al hadid where Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْيَوْمَ That verse, when Allah Azza is saying that they will be given the glad tidings of Jannah, of Paradise, and the beneath which rivers flow, they will remain therein forever. If you were running out of breath and you came to this verse, yeah، um, and you were to say, for example, بُشْرَاكُمُ And now you just choose to pause because your breath is running short. They will be given the glad tidings of that day of paradise. That's a correct stop, right? The meaning is intact and it's a good meaning and we don't have an issue. There's no misunderstanding that can be taken from that. The people of Jannah on that day will be given the glad tidings of Jannah. The believers will be given the glad tidings of Jannah. But now if I was to just carry on after that pause, the meaning now actually isn't so good min من al الأنهار فيها. underneath which rivers flow, beneath which rivers flow, beneath what? right? now, some of the, you know, and this is what I mean when I when we said this is an issue of ijtihad, actually, you will find many Quran will do exactly this. they will say اليوم من تحت الأنهار because the person who is listening knows what the context is. Right. But the ulama of waqf and Ibtida have a very high standard, right? They have a standard that is more of excellence, and that is that you shouldn't read like that. It is there is a better way to read. And clearly, when it comes to the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, we don't just go for what is you know normal or what is substandard or what is just okay or just tick a box or just meet the minimum requirement. We do what is best, right? We have a standard of excellence. We go to and keep the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the best way that we can. And this is a principle, by the way. When it comes to the Book of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi you always choose the highest standard. That's the general principle of our Sharia. So for example, in in the a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi when you're reading a hadith, and a word in the Arabic language can be pronounced in multiple ways. It's the same word, but there are multiple pronunciations for that word. Maybe sometimes the ta has a fatha or sometimes a dhamma or so on. But one of those pronunciations is more... Uh, is more eloquent, right? It is a better pronunciation, it is more eloquent, considered to be a higher, uh, more pristine level of Arabic language purer, then the sunnah and the hadith should be read in that way. That's a principle that you will find amongst the scholars of hadith. And those people who've done readings of hadith will tell you this. Because when you're reading to a sheikh, even though that wording may actually have a, uh, you know, it has a source in the sunnah, the sheikh will say to you, yes, that's fine, but actually to read it the other way is better. It is correct, better, because the Prophet ﷺ was the most eloquent of people and he would have chosen the higher version of that form. He would have pronounced it in the better way rather than the way that is less eloquent, right? It is less desirable. So it's a similar thing here. Yes, you can pause and some reciters will do so and then carry on because people listening kind of understand that it's still related, but others will say no. So for example, how, what would you do? The glad tidings on that day will be of jannah. I have to pause now. Now I will carry go back and start from there again. <muchirakumul> yawma tajri min <feeha> Right, just to keep the meaning connect correct. They will be given glad tidings of the day of Jannah beneath which rivers flow. Uh, our Shaykh in Qiraat, he would say that you can just start from jannatun, right, because the rivers refer to the Jannah. So as long as you've connected those two issues, then the meanings still correct. So you can say, "Basharah kumul ya uma jannat, right? jannatun tajri min tahtiya al anha rukali dina فيها." and that's an example of how that can work. Another example of this would be the verse in Surat al ahzab verse number forty-five. In which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Ya ayyuhan Nabiyyu, inna arsalna kashidoo wa mubashiroo wa niziraa." O Prophet, indeed, we have sent you as a witness and as a giver of glad tidings and as a warner, right? So if you were to say, for example, Ya inna O Prophet, we have sent you. Shahidan wa wa And then you kind of just say a witness. You've kind of disconnected the two. Right? And again, this is something which, you know, most people listening, if they're following and paying attention, they will understand. But amongst the scholars of, of, of Qiraat, of Waqf of and Ibtida and Tajweed, this is something which wouldn't be liked, right? It's something which they would dislike. So the Waqf is okay. What's a Waqf kaf then in, in conclusion? The Waqf the is okay. The stop is fine. The problem is how you're restarting. And for that, you kind of need to know some basic Arabic or at least be able to go back to where you think that the meaning would be correct to the best of your ability. And I know that that's easier said than done. Uh, But unfortunately there's no real easy way to give you. I don't have a catch-all unless someone else can Benefit us all with with kind of a principle or rule someone benefited from when they were doing Quran with some of their teachers Uh, Then that's perhaps something which uh, which you can share with us, but I'm not aware of anything So you do to the best of your ability you stop where you find the stops in the Quran those symbols that tell you to stop and where you have to stop elsewhere then try to uh, start from a place where at least you think that the meaning would be okay. So if it's something like Jannat, you'd start from Jannat and Tajri, right? You know that that word afterwards is speaking about the description of Jannah or something of that regard where you can try to connect it to the best of your meaning. And there's a number of examples of this in the Quran that I can give, um, but it's something which, uh, you know, which will take too much time. But if you go back to those books of tiraat and Waqf and that you will find many examples of all of these categories that I've mentioned. So those are the three of Waqf that are acceptable. Al-Waqf tam Al-Waqf kafi and Al-Waqf hassan, right? And each one of them, as we said, the first category is you should stop and you shouldn't connect the two. The second one, you can stop, but you can connect the two as well. The third one is where it is okay to stop. But for restarting, you should go back and restart with the, where the meaning is correct. Then what we have left is the fourth category, and that is Al-Waqf Despise stopping, right? The detestable one, the one that's not a good place to stop. And Abu Amr al Dani, he defined this as being the one that where you stop and it just corrupts the meaning, you don't understand what the meaning is. And he divided it, or they divided it into three categories, right? For you to understand, and these are like three kind of examples, right? Of where this would be. The first is where you stop in a way and at such a place where the person doesn't even understand what's going on, the meaning. Isn't complete in any way. So, the previous example that we gave, when Allah is speaking about the believers on Al Qiyamah and the glad tidings that they will have, and you say, Bushrakumul Yawmul Jannat, for the listener, they understand what's going on, right? You've, you're kind of following along to that point. And then when you restart and you say Jannat and Tajri, the meaning still stays correct. But sometimes, if you were to stop in the middle of just a random verb in the Quran or a random noun in the Quran, is left, leaves you in suspense where you don't know, it's in the middle of a place where you shouldn't stop. And those are normally, you know, those words like the Asma'ul mausura like al uh, ladina, you know, you just stop as al ladin, right? Or sometimes even some of the scholars will say like, Illa, if you just stop there for no reason, you kind of leave it suspended or where there is something that needs to be connected that you don't connect. So, you know, an example of this would be, for example, where you say, innal uh, al and then you stop. Indeed those you haven't done anything. You haven't given the listener anything. That place is such a random place to stop that actually it distorts the meaning, right? And it's not a good place to stop because it doesn't allow you to have achieved anything from that recitation of those words, right? Those kind of random stops would be problematic, right? Or if you were to say, for example, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا and then you just stop on the la, right? Not upon those, or oh Allah, that you are angry with and not. And you've stopped there at a random place. That's what they would call the first type of waqfun qabih where the meaning just completely is left suspended. The person listening, the person reading, you don't—they don't know what's going on because you've stopped in such a random place. The second example of this would be, or another category of this would be, where by stopping you actually distort the meaning. You change the meaning of the Quran to something that it shouldn't be, because of where you've chosen to stop, right? So an example of this would be, in terms of rulings, in the verses of in Surah An Nisa, the verses of inheritance, when Allah Azza wa says concerning a group of women that inherit, that they take two thirds. So if you have a group of daughters, they don't have any sons, they're the only ones inheriting, they would take two thirds of the inheritance. Or if they were a group of sisters and there's no other male relatives in that equation except for the parents, maybe they would take two thirds, right? And then Allah Azza says, and for the parents in that situation where those daughters take two thirds, the parents get a sixth each. So Allah says, for in Kunda If they are a group of women, they take two thirds. Right? When Kana wahida, and if it's only one woman, she's alone, she gets half. Wali li kulli wahidim minhum sudus. And for the parents in that equation, each one of them would get a sixth. But if you don't stop properly and you say أبوي, And there you stop. For the woman that's single, she gets a half. And for her parents. You've changed the meaning, you've changed the ruling. And that is وَقْفٌ قَبِيحٌ Because now you've changed what Allah actually has revealed in terms of that ruling. Because the parents never get a half. They don't ever get the half. And so what you've done though by stopping there is you've made it sound like that they're also part of the half. Whereas they're not, they come with the other remaining part of the verse, right? And that is also waqfun qabih right? And that's why it is dangerous for people that don't know tafsir or Arabic, at least some Arabic, to just stop, stop in random places. They can actually distort the meaning unintentionally without knowing, right? They don't mean to and they don't understand what they're doing, but they can sometimes do that, right? And that's why it's important to, to the best of your ability, to stop in places where you're told you can actually stop. Another example of this would be, where you completely distort the meaning, is in that verse in Surah Al-An'am, when Allah Azzawajil says, Indeed, those who respond to you are those who can hear you. And as for the dead, Allah will resurrect them and then they will return to their Lord. But if you were to stop here and you will find a mean, at this word يسمعون. because if you were to carry on and stop the word after, you distort the meaning completely. You say, Indeed, those who respond to you are those who can hear you and the dead. So now what you've done is actually you've corrupted one of the core principles of our religion is that you can't call to the dead. You can't make dua to them. They don't hear you. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the unseen. But you've corrupted that because now you've stopped at a place which actually seems to say that actually, no, they're living here and the dead hear you as well. And that's an example of of this, right? Another example of this would be when Allah says, husna. Those who respond to their Lord will have a great reward. Then Allah says, And as for those who don't accept, even if they were to give all of the earth as ransom, it wouldn't be accepted from them. But if you were to stop at the incorrect place, you change the meaning. For example, husna, lam And then you stop. Now the meaning is that those who respond to their Lord will have a great reward and those who don't stop and those who don't respond as well. And then you've paused there. And you've cut it off from the rest of the verse where the meaning remains intact. Right? And so these are examples of Al-Waqf al The third example of this, another example or another category of this. So we have where the meaning, where the verse is suspended without any real meaning, where you corrupt the meaning to make it something which is not allowed in the Sharia. The third would be, the third category of this would be where you ascribe to Allah something which is not befitting for him subhanahu wa ta'ala. You ascribe to Allah something which is not befitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's because you've included the name of Allah into a verse uh, or you stopped at the name of Allah and by doing so you've included Allah in the part of the verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from. But actually that verse with the name of Allah was going to be with what comes after which would free Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what was being said concerning those people. So for example, when Allah says, concerning um, when 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 Ibrahim goes to Nimrod, and he says, you know, my Lord is the one who gives life and death, and he says the same thing and so on. And then Allah says to uh, tells us that Ibrahim said to Nimrod, my Lord is the one who causes the sun to rise from the east. So you bring it from the west, right? If that's what you can do. Then what does Allah says? Kafar, the one who disbelieved, was stumped, wasn't able to respond. And Allah does not guide those who are an oppressive people. But if you were to say, والله, And then you stop there. That the one who was disbelieved had no response and Allah. And you pause there, you've now ascribed to Allah that he has no response, right? That he can't respond to those types of issues of kufr and disbelief. And you've changed, you've corrupted the meaning in such a way that you've ascribed to Allah something which He is free from subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another example of this would be in the verse, لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ السَّوءِ For those who disbelieve in the hereafter, for them is the worst of examples. And then Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْعَلَىٰ And to Allah belongs the highest and best of all examples. But if you were to stop on the name of Allah, you would corrupt the meaning. Right to the those those who disbelieve have the worst of examples and Allah. And you've paused there now, and that's why again it is extremely important, right? And I, you know, we we are sometimes too laxed on this issue. And if it wasn't because of the danger inherent in changing the meaning of the Book of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, it wouldn't be an issue, and the scholars wouldn't have really gone to this. Amount of effort and time and so on because they're not there to make life difficult for people. It's already a challenge for a lot of people to read the Quran and understand the Quran. This is now at a level where you really need to start to advance in terms of your studies of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the point of this isn't you know, to make anyone feel bad or guilty or whatever. The point of this was to, number one, introduce you to this science. But number two, also to make you aware that there is actually a serious issue behind this. These aren't just sciences for the sake of being sciences. It's not just technical stuff, just for the sake of technicality. But there is actually a real goal and a real objective behind this. And that is that inshallah, as you progress, you improve in terms of your recitation and reading of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and understanding as well. What do we do in the meantime as we're working towards that goal? Then we follow what the scholars have given to us because that would be the safest way to do so. That is ilmu right? al-waqf. Generally when it comes to waqf, those are the four categories, ta'am, kafin, hasan, and qabiha. And then you have al-ibtida. al is where to start from, right? And that's generally two things and it's kind of related to what we said before. So al which is hasan and ibtida which is qabih one which is a good place to start from one which is a bad place from start to start from the good place to start from is where the meaning always remains intact so as we said in the tam and in the kafin you can just start off from where you stopped or in the hasan you might have to go back a couple of words or a few words and then start again right and those are the ones uh, in terms of ibtida al hasan that's how you do it right and that's kind of covered already in what we mentioned before. Al-Ibtida'ul qabih then would be, the example that we also gave in terms of Waqf al if you were to start from a place that it doesn't make sense, or you corrupt the meaning, or you ascribe to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala something which is not befitting for Him, Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, or you do it in a way where the meaning has no meaning anymore, then that would be a problem. So for example, if you were to start and you were to say, you know, Tabbat Yada Abi right? To start from Abi wa Watab, You've disconnected the meaning, it is not, uh, it is the hands of Abu Lahab that have perished. Right? That's what Allah Azawajal is saying in the first place and then he's saying, may all of him be perished. But to just stop there and start from Abi Lahab, that's a problem, right? Or if you were just to start, for example, and say, right? that's like just a place which is a random place to stop. The person doesn't understand what has come before, doesn't understand the context and so on. Or if it corrupts the meaning, for example, where you say, uh, in the verse in Surah Yasin where Allah Azza says and why shouldn't I worship the one who created me? But you were to just stop and uh, just to start and say, La I don't worship the one who created me because you missed out the first two words. Right? For whatever reason you stopped at a place and you wanted to go back and, and you didn't know where to start from, that's a problem as well. Right? And so um, that's another example. Or for example, if you were to just start and stop in a random place, for example in Surah Toba where you say Uzairun Allah," Uzair is the son of Allah and that's where you chose to start that verse from. That's a problem as well because you've obviously disconnected and corrupted the meaning of that verse. Clearly Allah is free from having any child and any son. So the conclusion of this is that the scholars kind of have these categories of Waqf and Ibtida and they go into those subcategories the main purpose of this is to always keep the meaning of the Qur'an intact in the way that it should be. So when we read the Qur'an, it is done and we start and stop in such a way that the meaning that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la intended for the Qur'an, the tafsir of the Qur'an, remains correct and intact. We don't corrupt it, we don't change it, we don't do it in any way which in any way makes the Qur'an less uh, in terms of uh, its meaning and its understanding. Right? And that's why the scholars went through so much effort in this and as i said before in terms of our practically how we do this then to follow those symbols of the quran and in fact if there's nothing else that you took away from this except that me drilling in this point of just follow those symbols follow those symbols follow those symbols i think that in itself taala, is something which is a worthy uh, benefit that we've taken from this class i mean i myself will, will in most cases follow those symbols and many of the uh, you know, whenever I've done qira'at or whenever I've, I've read to ulama in for their ijazahs in Qur'an, they have always insisted that I follow those symbols. Always insisted that I follow those symbols. And those are in their own right scholars of Qur'an, people who have dedicated their lives to studying things like and al and Ibtida. And that's because someone's done the hard work for you. They've had a panel of scholars from across the world come together, experts in this field who be, between them have decades of, of study and experience. And they've Together, by shura, by consultation, by discussion, by research, arrived at this. By going through all of these books, by the way, that I mentioned to you of Abu Amr al-Dani and Ibn al-Jazani. And all the ones that we mentioned last week that we find uh, in terms of the books that have been written on this particular topic of Al-Waqf Ibtida. They did the hard work for us. So why would you not really go through and follow what they've arrived at uh, to the best of your ability? And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. Okay, and with that, we come to the end of this particular special. And inshallah ta'ala, next week we'll continue with our tafsir. And we're going to begin with the tafsir of Surah Al Teen, الله ta'ala. Okay, let me see any questions. Okay, Sumira, could you clarify Waqf Jibril and Waqf Al Nabawi? Are they essentially the same or any differences? Um, <coughs> so, how much of the Waqf of the Prophet do we know? Right? That's what it kind of comes back to. How much do we know of where the Prophet paused? Some of that we know because it's mentioned in certain hadith where the Prophet uh, is, is, is reading or reciting and he's stopping in certain places. And others from amongst that we don't know. And that is the majority. Right, That is the majority because the companions of the Prophet didn't mention necessarily as hadith. Where is it then taken from? It is taken from recitation as as the rules of Tajweed, from generation to generation, from teacher to student to student and so on and so forth. That's where it's taken from and Allah knows best. Uh, You mentioned that it is all Ijtihadi. Are we saying each end of an ayah is also Ijtihadi or these are from the Sunnah? This is relevant to my query regarding Ayah 3 of Surah Al-Alaq where you mentioned some stopped after Iqra and others joined with Rabbukal Akram. So it is Ijtihadi to a great part as well. The ending of the verses also has some Ijtihad to it. But it is also taken again from the practice of the companions and how the scholars learn to read the Quran from the companions. And that's how you will find there is a difference of opinion. There is a science called Addul-Ai or the science of ilmul fawasil And what that looks at is the number of verses in every surah. Why is that a science? Because there's a difference of opinion. right? So for example, and we did this ourselves when we spoke about Surah Al-Fatiha. We know the Prophet sallam clearly said there are seven verses in Surah Al-Fatiha. It is known as Sab'ul Ma'thani. Okay, but what are the seven verses? That now very much depends on whether Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim is verse number one or not. Because if it's verse number one, then Sirat al Amta Al-Maghdubi Alaihim is verse number seven. But if Alhamdulillah, Alamin is verse number one. So now, what's verse six and what's verse seven? Sirat al amta is verse six, and that's a proper stop. And then غَيْرِ alayhim عَلَيْهِمْ وَرَضَّالِينَ is verse number seven. So that's something which we covered already. So you can see that there's clearly a difference of opinion right between the scholars in terms of Addul الْآيَةِ and you will find this in, in, in the books of tafsir You will find where they will say عَدَدُ right? The number of verses for this surah is nine and sometimes they may say ten or eleven and sometimes you find that difference of opinion by the way also in the qiraat If you look at the Mus'haf of Warsh in the recitation of Barsh Kalun, you will find that difference sometimes in terms of the stops and the starts in certain surahs and Allah knows best. Uh, the example that you gave from Surah Al-Baqarah, we saying it's better to continue at the end of the ayah or better to stop? As someone says stop at the end of the ayah is a sunnah and continuing due to... and this is a question that we, we discussed before, right? So the difference of opinion as to Some of the scholars said that if the meaning is connected, even at the end of a verse, you carry on. Another said, no, you stop at the end of the verse because that seems to be what the Prophet did according to the narrations that we have. And I said that that second opinion seems to be stronger and closer to the sunnah and Allah knows best. That doesn't mean it's not allowed to carry on or it's haram or you get sin. We're talking about what is better. The issue here in this particular case where the meaning remains intact and we don't have any of those other issues of Waqf that we spoke about, isn't whether it's permissible or not permissible, it's about what is better or not better, what is closer to the Sunnah or further from it. And Allah knows best. Okay, people often define Waqf-Tam as what is complete in meaning and grammar. But many examples of waqf are still very much connected in meaning to what proceeds in terms of Surah Yasin. That's true as well. It is still connected in what is meaning. But what they mean by connection is of two things. lafzan wa ma'nan or just معنى. It is connected either in word and in meaning or just in meaning. Meaning, meaning that it's still speaking about the same context, right? Like the example that I gave in Surah Hujurat, it's still speaking about the same context. one and Ma'na, word and meaning, meaning that it's actually still speaking about the very same event. La'allakum fi dunya wal That you think in this life and in the next. That you contemplate in this life and the next. It's still connected to exactly the same issue. That's the difference that you have. And that's what they mean by this in terms of, uh, in terms of the meaning, right? They talk about meaning as in one and ma'nan. Okay. I think the issue comes more with long ayat where you run out of breath. That is true, right? So that's where you will always have the issue. So you're not going to have an issue in all of the smaller uh, surahs of the Quran or the surahs like surah uh, maybe Safat uh, or Shu'ara or where the, the, surah, the ayahs are very, very short or towards the last ajzah of the Quran and Rahman and those types of surahs where the verses are generally speaking very short, right? The issue is going to be where, for example, you have long verses and sometimes the place between the stops, even the ones that are actually symbolized in the Quran is actually not so uh, you know, not so close by. Okay, Hamza, when following the Imam in a sign in prayer and you are in the middle of a verse and the Imam goes into Rukur, what is it better to do? You should stop or complete the verse if it's easy for you to do so. So, for example, if the Imam goes into Rukur and you're, for example, at the end of a verse, and he's saying, Allahu Akbar, you, say, you finish, and you go into him, right? Because the difference between you and him will be very short. But if it's a long verse that you're reading, right, and now, like, you know, it's going to take you a while to get to the end, you're, for example, decided to read the longest verse of the Quran in Surah Al Baqarah, and now all of a sudden he's chosen to go into ruku', you follow him, because to follow him is more obligatory in that particular uh, scenario as the Prophet said وسلم, the Imam was placed there for you to follow him, and your reading of that surah after Fatiha is a Sunnah. It is recommended, but it's not a must. But to follow the Imam is a must. And by delaying it, if it's going to take you time, either it's going to come out of ruku' and you're still going into ruku', or you've just got into ruku' and you're always going to be a step behind, or you know you're going to have some other issue there. Okay, can someone please reiterate the categories of Tida? So Ibtida, as we said, is Ibtida'ul hasan and Qabih. Hassan, which means it's okay to start from there, Qabih, which means that it's not. Right? That's what we're referring to. Okay, so Jazakumullah Khair, folks. Jazakumullah Khair for everyone being with us. I hope that, inshaAllah, you benefited from that special, that it's something which, inshaAllah, has opened your eyes, at least to another aspect from the sciences of the Qur'an. And inshaAllah, we ask Allah that he gives us the ability to do more of these and for us to be able to carry on, inshaAllah, with our Uh, With our remainder, right, with our remainder as well, and um, just as a side point, on uh, as some of you may know, I have a project called Ilmburst. Ilmburst is a project that I do um, where we kind of do education for children. But one of the things that we do is we also do like uh, webinars and courses and so on on a variety of topics. And I gave a general. Lecture a couple of days ago. If you go to the Umbust Facebook page, it's actually on the YouTube channel of Umbust as well. I did one on the seven methods of memorizing the Quran. Maybe some of you will benefit from that as well, or it's something which will interest uh, those of you that are interested in that particular field. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bless you all. Inshallah, Taala, I will see you all next week. BarakAllahu fiikum. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.